And I love the title for this, right out of the passage, Begotten to a Living Hope. And last week as we started the, uh, the epistle here, this letter, first of all we saw, and, and the, the writer identifies himself, that this was written by the Apostle Peter, one of the Lord's disciples. And we considered him a bit, and boy, there's so much written about Peter, there's so much we learn from him and can glean from him. I kind of look at him and, and look at him as the disciple of, of first he was oftentimes the first to speak up, the first to step out, also the first to get rebuke and the first to, to, to sink, the first to get restored. But praise God, the first to preach the gospel there on Pentecost when the church was birthed, the first to preach the gospel to the Gentiles when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. And absolutely a, a man that, I don't know about you, but I can relate to him because, you know, it's a, it's a man that, again, Remember when he got saved, be merciful to me. You know, depart from me. Just acknowledge I am a sinner and I need you, Lord. And that's where everything starts. And in all his fumblings and bumblings, the Lord just faithful to him and so good to him. And, you know, saw him through. And I can identify with that. And I, I just get great encouragement just through the Lord's faithfulness to Peter and God's work in his life. And that's a picture of God's faithfulness to us. And how God begins a good work in us when we get saved and he'll complete it to the day we go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we saw he was the author of the book and remember he's writing to the pilgrims of the dispersion. We also saw absolutely all God's word is for us and for his people but we do want to look initially who this is written to to help us understand and we considered these pilgrims and the fact that they've been heavily heavily persecuted there in Rome by Nero. And it was to the degree that they, they, they were crucifying Christians, uh, they were burning them alive, they were putting them in animal skins and letting dogs destroy them. And this was all predicated on Nero who had burnt Rome down and he needed a scapegoat. And so, you know, and he, so oftentimes they would blame the Jews, but there were so many Jews. So they said, what are that little sect of the Jews called the Christians? And they were the ones that were blamed. And God had dispersed them as a result of that, and they'd gone out to many of those cities there in Asia Minor to the churches that Paul had planted. And so this letter is specifically to them to bring them encouragement, to bring them hope, to give them instruction and so forth. And we saw some of that encouragement already given in those first few verses where the Lord's reminding them that you're elect, you're chosen of God, you're special of God. You are sanctified by the Spirit of God. You're holy and you're being sanctified by the Spirit of God. You've been washed by the blood of Jesus for obedience to the Lord. And then he talked about grace and peace. And I love it being multiplied. And when we come to the Lord, we're saved by grace through faith. You know what? We get the peace of God. And then God being so good, he wants to multiply those things in our life. And I just pray in this day that we are in that God would just be multiplying that grace and peace. And that comes through, again, abiding in the Lord. It comes through walking with the Lord and, and being a people that want to live for Him and so forth. And we want to be those people. Can we say amen to that? Well, this morning we'll continue to see just, again, words of hope and encouragement and instruction and just a lot of great doctrine in these next few verses. Again, in the midst of this great persecution and these people who've been dispersed, Paul points them to the living hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. So even in the midst of all that's coming upon you, we have a living hope. And we're going to talk about that, how 
first and foremost, the Lord himself is our living hope. And that also it's a living hope that we have right now, but it's also a living hope that will stretch into all of eternity. He also speaks to them about the great inheritance that we have in Christ. See, in the Lord, not only are we saved, but we also even get an inheritance on top of that. And it's reserved for us in heaven. It's preserved for us in heaven. And absolutely that it's without blemish. It's out without perversion and so forth. So we're going to look at those things along with some other just great truths. We're going to talk a little bit about the Trinity itself as we'll start off here where it talks about God the Father is Jesus is God and how does that work and so forth. So let's read these next verses together and dive into this and just again pray that God greatly blesses our Bible study here. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, one thing I just, I just so marvel at in, in God's word and especially in the epistles of how much is said in such a short amount. Because whether you guys you know or not, you, could, you, you can get probably 12 sermons out of this easy. And it's, it's, there's just so much here. But we'll get all this, Lord willing, in one, one, one sermon here this morning. But look at how he starts off again. Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's interesting because Paul uses this exact phrase in his letter to uh, the Corinthians, his second letter to them, as well as his letter to those in Ephesus. And interesting as well, uh, it's also in, in verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 3 of those letters. And so this is a truth that we see multiplied or multiple times there in the Scripture. And so he says, Blessed be God and Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is very interesting because... We see the Holy Spirit is God, the Son of God, or Jesus is God, and the Father is God. And yet it's very interesting in how these things are worded. And I think it's something that we should ask the question, well, how does exactly all of this work? If Jesus is God, how is God the Father his God? You know, how does this relationship unfold and so forth? And, and we look at Scripture and we get a lot of insight and so forth but we also need to know that, listen, the workings of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit being completely one and separate at the, at the same time, just there's a, such a level of mystery in it and so forth, it just goes beyond even comprehension, and yet there's enough here for us to have some understanding and hang our hat on and to rejoice in and learn from as well. And we know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and fully became man. And we know in his time here on earth as a man, as well as in all eternity, that God the Son, Jesus, was and is fully yielded to God the Father, to the will of God the Father. Jesus made this clear himself in his teachings. In John 5.30, the Lord said, I, I can do of myself nothing as I hear I judge and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will but the will of the Father who sent me. And 
what's amazing about this is the will of the Father who sent the Son was for him to come to make that way of salvation for you. To make the way of salvation for me and make that way of salvation for us through sending his son to lay down his life for us. As it says there on Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That was the will of the father. After he created man and Man went his own way and said, I want to be my own God. And death entered in and sin and destruction and just, you know, all the perversity in the world today. It's all rooted back there in the garden and man sinning. And yet God loves us so much that he said, I'm going to make a way, a plan, a plan of salvation, a way of redemption. And I'm going to send my son because sin has come through one man. And my son is going to come and become a man and live a sinless life to pay the penalty of their sin. The wages of our sin is death. He'll die for their sins. He'll defeat death when he resurrects from the grave. And that is my will for my son so that through that I can demonstrate my love to this people that have shunned me. Isn't that awesome? That in our rebellion, God says, I love you though. And I'm gonna make a way of salvation, the way of salvation for you. And it's my will, it's my heart to send my son to die for you now it's interesting again jesus was and is a hundred percent god he became a hundred percent man and in his ministry on earth there's times where we 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 just you know scripture really shows the deity of christ and there's other passages that really show the humanity of christ and i think of the garden of gethsemane where you know the lord knows that the wrath of of god the father is about to be placed on him for all the sins of the world just think about the sins of your life and the wrath do you i I think about the wrath do me me alone being put on jesus and now think about the sins of all the world and they say now there's close to eight billion people in the world let's just double that in the history of man and just say the wrath of 16 billion people put on again the son of god and the Lord knew, and, and again, th- this was literally that wrath due them from the Father who's just would be put on the Son. And we see Jesus there in the garden wrestling with this. And again, he was yielded to the will of the Father at every turn. But in his humanness at times, he wrestled with it. And we see that he prayed, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And we should rejoice in that, that at every single term, the Son did the will of the Father. The Son was yielded to the Father. Jesus came, He lived that perfect, sinless life at every single turn so that He could pay the debt of our sin. And then we read in Philippians 2.8, being found in the appearance of a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross where he was numbered with the transgressors. Now, next in Philippians, it says, but God has exalted him and given him the name above all names that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And indeed, in his conquering of sin, death, Satan, and hell. Now listen, with this, we know that we are called to be imitators of Christ. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I'll tell you, one of the ways we imitate Christ, and we can only do it by his aid and his help, the work of the Spirit of God, and 
being yielded to the Lord is to be in that place where we're saying, I want to yield my will to God Almighty. And, and we got a will that oftentimes resists the will of God. Have, have you noticed that at all? And so a great question is, what are we doing with our will? Because absolutely, we all have a will and we're in, we're in charge of it. Look, there's a human responsibility that we need to be aware of. Yes, God's the active party in our salvation, and we need God's help to do whatever, but we have a will and a human responsibility. Are you yielded to the will of God this morning? Are there areas that you're holding back? Those areas you're holding back, you're not going to find life, and that life comes when we yield to the will of God Almighty. And we need to ask the Lord Jesus, help me to be yielded to the will of the Father, to your will, as you were yielded to the will of the Father. And again, hear me this morning. The resisting of the, the will of God for us does not bring life. It brings death. It dries people up. It quenches the work of the Spirit of God. But when we're in that place of saying, Lord, I want to be yielded to you. I want to be submitted to you. I need your help and I need your aid. I fall short often. But let your will be done on my life. Let me tell you, life is found there. Abundant life is found there. Relationship, rich relationship with the Lord is found there. Now look at, again, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus' God is God the Father. Now the question comes up, does that mean Jesus is not God? No, Jesus is God. And God the Father, in more than one place, calls Jesus His God. Notice Hebrews 1.8. But to the Son, he says, and the he saying here is God the Father. But to the Son, God the Father says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Doesn't that sound good? The oil of gladness. Lord, pour out the oil of gladness on us this morning. Amen. In verse 10, he says, And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. This is the Father talking to the Son. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all grow like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not fail. This is God the Father saying, God the Son, Jesus is God. That absolutely, you know what God says to God, he says, you're the one that created. And we know the scripture says in the beginning, who created? God created the heavens and the earth. He says, these things change, but you never change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Those are all pictures of deity. And let me tell you, if someone presents a Jesus who is not God, that is another Jesus, and that is not a Jesus that can save your soul. We need to know the Jesus of the Bible, and the Jesus of the Bible is God. Now, also, we know the Word declares the Holy Spirit is God. So many passages on this. I think one of the clearest, those there in Acts 5, where Ananias and Sapphira, they've lied, you know, concerning a matter of selling some property and so forth. And Peter, you know, who wrote this epistle, said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And then he says, 
And a few verses down, you haven't lied to men, but to God. So again, we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the question could come up, well, well, which one of them is God? Because Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And this is where, again, things go beyond our comprehension in that God is one. God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're singular, but they're one all at the same time. You're like, how in the world does that work? And this is where we can rejoice that God is greater than our comprehension. You know, and this is where someone says, well, let's get an egg and, you know, it will boil it. And now we got the shell, we got the white, and we got the yolk. Ta-da! That's your God, you know? And I understand the effort to make that illustration, and I appreciate it, but the egg falls so short of that. Or they'll say, you know, we'll take water, and it can be, it can be frozen. We had a little frozen water. You know, today it can be liquid, and there's liquid water. It's still running in the streets, but it also can be a vapor, and we have fog. What a kind of perfect illustration this morning, but it falls short. Notice 1 John 5, 7. There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. We know we're to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And even last week in verse 2, we saw the God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in one verse, speaking of them as God working in our lives. One last note on this is God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit always work in perfect unity and perfect thought always in perfect accord at every turn, even going back to creation where he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. That's a declaration of unity. Not let's make him in the likeness of just the Holy Spirit or just the likeness of the Son or the Father, but in our likeness. And I'll tell you, Jesus himself said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Listen, one note for us. God's called us to be of one heart and one mind, for us to walk in a unity. And that happens when we are yielded to the will of the Father. That happens when we say, we want to do things scripturally. I want to die to my agenda. I want to stand in the word of God. Then there's a unity that comes of the Holy Spirit versus so many efforts today to say, well, we need to be unified above everything So let's compromise truth over here so we can be unified with others. And when you do that, you get disunified with God himself. And that's a big problem. He says here, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, blessed be our God. Thank you, Father. I mean, this morning, can we not say thank you, bless you, Father, for sending your son to make the way of salvation for us. And so we bless him through praising him, through thanking him. And I don't know about you, but I want to do that all the more in the midst of a thankless and self-worshipping generation for the most part. And that's not just my opinion. So many verses speak of this. I think of there, 2 Timothy 3.1. It says, but know this. And I think we know this because we see this. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Or dangerous times will come. And we've read this many times, but look at the description. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. So much blasphemy in the world today. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, 
slanderers without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Notice, having a form of godliness but denying His power. And if you want to deny the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, take on those attributes and walk in them and be unrepentant of them and you'll deny the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God does not empower that behavior, that action, that lifestyle. Yes, He helps when we say, Lord, I'm, 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 you know what? I'm, I'm being headstrong here. I need your help. Yes, God wants to help us in that, and He will. But when we say, this is, you know, I love pleasure, and God's just here to give me pleasure, and that's what it's all about. That's a grieving of the Spirit of God. And He gives us things to enjoy. And then He says, from such people turn away. And I don't believe that's just talking about turning away from, again, we're in the world but not of it, turning away from a, you know, a, 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 a yoking up with them. But how about this, turning away from that behavior so that I can bless the Father in my life? Because that life right there, this description of our world today, that is not blessing God at all. That grieves the heart of God Almighty. We want to be a people unashamed of Him and his word in the midst of an adulterous and sinful generation he saved us from. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, notice, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. Now grace is getting what you don't deserve. And boy, we have a lot of grace. And as we read, God wants to multiply it to us. Thank you, Lord. Mercy, it's been said, and I think it's pretty accurate, is not getting what you do deserve. And all of us in this room this morning, are you ready for this? Are you, you know what? Someone may need to be ready to be offended right now. We all deserve hell. We all deserve hell. There'll be no one in hell that's there because of an unjust judgment against them. Again, Romans 3.23, all of sin and fallen short of God's glory. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And the death being spoken of there is not just physical death that came in as a result of man's sin, but this speaks of the second death. The second death is hell. It's eternal destruction where there's never full destruction. Romans 20 verse 13 says, The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in, uh, who were in them, And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Jesus gives multiple descriptions of this lake of fire of hell. It's full of darkness, and yet there is a flame of torment there. You have all your thoughts, but there's really no interaction. There's the gnashing of teeth and a torment that lasts forever and again i know this is where some people the offended folks say but time out time out i'm a good person or like i shared last week i met someone who went took it so far they said i'm god i'm god no we're not god and we'll put it bluntly we're not good by god's standard Romans 3, 10, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They have altogether become unprofitable. There's none who does good, no, not one. That's the judgment of God. 
That's God Almighty saying those things. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. Like poison asp, uh, under is, uh, the poison of asp is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. And they're like, oh yeah, that's my neighbor. That's not me. No, that's you and that's me. And look at I'm making this point to, 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 to show mercy. To show God's abundant mercy. Because we deserve hell. We are sinners and God is not bringing rebellion into his kingdom. And some will say, well, God's, God's loving though. So surely, you know what, an, that's an unloving God. God loves you so much he sent his son to die for you. To take the penalty of your sins. Don't you ever question God, but you have a will to exercise. Will you humble your heart and call on his name or rely on your own goodness? And the scripture says, there's no good, no, not one. And if you're under that impression, but I am, you are under a heap of deception that is yoked in the demonic. Compare your life to the law of God. We all grossly fall short of it. But listen. God is abundantly merciful again in that he made the way, the only way for us to, say, to be saved through sending his son. I mean, how many of us would send our sons or you know, lay down the life of our daughter to, to, to save a, you know, a colony of, of, of rank sinners? I mean, just rank people that, that wreak havoc on society. We'd be like, no, never I'm gonna do that. God did that for a colony of rank sinners that were all members of outside of Jesus Christ. You know, billions of us to make the way of salvation. Again, go back to Romans 5 eight. God demonstrated his own love towards us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then notice verse 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath, notice, through him. He's the only way. Jesus is the one that dealt with our sin. As he said there in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And let me tell you this morning, if you don't know the Lord, there's nothing more important than you getting saved. There's nothing more important than you getting your soul right with God Almighty. And that starts by humbling your heart, confessing your sin, and genuinely calling on Christ to be your Lord and Savior. That involves a repentance. That involves saying, I will no longer be my Lord and do as I will. Be merciful to me, God. Be merciful to me, Lord. I believe you died and rose for me. Be the Lord of my life. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want my faith to be seen as a follower of the Lord. Because as the Lord said, what's a profit of man, even if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul in that eternal flame forever and ever and ever and ever. There's no end to it. I love it, though, it says, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. The word begotten means to generate offspring. And it doesn't mean we're the offspring of God and that we're little gods. But praise God, when we put faith in Christ, we are born again and become adopted sons and daughters of God Almighty. In fact, Jesus said in John 3, 3, he says, I say to you, unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of heaven. 
And that's where I remember Nicodemus is like, what do you mean born again? I have to go back in my mother's womb? Like the natural thinking there. And God says, you're, you're a Pharisee, you know, at a teacher. You should know better than that silly question. He's saying you need to be born again or regenerated in your spirit. And when we come to Christ, when we put our faith in the Lord, it's beautiful. It says there in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ. Is anyone in Christ today? Can you say amen to that? If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In other words, I have been born again. So now I'm not subjected to what? That second death. Now I have everlasting life. And everyone running around in this world right now is in one place or the other. They either are registered in heaven and they are born again. They have everlasting life or they are subjected to the second death because they've rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no middle ground. But praise God, this is the valley of decision. And right now the Lord's saying, come to me, call on me and get saved, get born again. Last week we had the water baptism outside there. And it's a, it's a beautiful picture of being born again. It's the picture of going down, dying, coming up alive, wash. And it was very evident last week because that water was icy, icy cold. And people were going down and coming up. And, I noticed there was a couple people, they did this with their head. And they didn't quite get the body. And so I started just grabbing the shoulder and just pushing them right down, you know. Now you're going under. (laughs) Who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to notice here the title of our message to a living hope. Guys, we have a living hope. Hope is, 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 is of such great importance. If someone has no hope, man, it's almost like sucking the life out of an individual. Hope, you know, in fact, the Bible says, uh, faith, hope, and love. These are eternal, and the greatest is love. And so this is, this is absolutely important that we have hope, and we have a living hope. And then think about this letter is being written to these people that are being horrendously persecuted. But he says, wait, guys, by the mercy of God, you have begotten or been born again to a living hope. Even while they are killing you and, and, and persecuting you so heavily and driving you around, you have a living hope. You have a living hope that cannot be taken from you. And that living hope starts with the living God who dwells in our hearts by grace through faith. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And think about that living hope with us always. He's with us everywhere we go. Hebrews 13.5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content in what things you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is a living hope. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. And men were doing things to them. But what can man do to them? Because their living hope was in Christ Jesus. Jesus our Lord. And listen, this living hope, this living hope isn't just way off in eternity, though that's part of it. Because the living God is with us, we have a living hope with us right now, even in the midst of all our trials, even in the midst of the hopelessness that's on this world. Ephesians 2.12 
It says, talking about before we came to Christ, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Notice, having no hope without God in the world. That's where we were. That's where we were. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Where men's hearts are failing them in this world, our hearts should never fail us because we have the living hope of God Almighty that even in the trials and tribulations, even in the dispersion and all of the brutality to these individuals, we can stand in promises like Romans 8.28. We know God works all things for good for those who love God and called according to his purposes. Even that great persecution, God was using it for good. One of the goods is this letter was written for our good. One of the goods was they were making an incredible statement to Rome and the entire world. I am willing to die for my God because my God died for me. That's how strong my faith is. That makes an impression on people. That made an impression on that sadistic Saul of Tarsus when Stephen was willing to be stoned for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. His name's listed there in Acts at that account because it was making an impression on him. And more than once he would talk about that and giving his testimony. Look at guys, we have that living hope. I saw it beautifully even in the midst of the whole COVID thing and Everything that was going on and people saying it's a time of uncertainty and we don't know what's coming back. And a great despair came on the world that's still hanging around if you haven't noticed. But what I saw in my heart because of the Lord and what I saw in in this fellowship was a living hope. And the midst of depression that was out there and despair out there man, I saw praise and worship and hope and God's going before us and the Lord's coming soon and God's making a way and and a maturing and a growing and appreciation of fellowship that I don't think we quite had the same before and bursting forth with hope every single day. God's going to see us through. And it wasn't just because of what we knew, it's because of the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us. Or it's almost like, you know, shouldn't, I've asked people's feelings, shouldn't you be worried? No, my God's on the throne and we got a living hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's conveying that to him. You have that living hope. And listen, it's also, it also is an eternal hope. First Thessalonians 4.13, But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. And notice, for if We believe Jesus died and rose again. Amen. We believe that. Even so, God will bring with them those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Guys, this is the rapture being talked about here. That rapture is not in the Bible. Have you read your Bible? For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive or remain shall be caught up. That's your rapture. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And notice here, you're talking about a living hope, an eternal living hope. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And listen, we have this living hope, as it says next, 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Look at on the cross, Jesus defeated our sins. On the third day, when he resurrected, he defeated death. And if he wasn't able to defeat the sin, he would have never defeated death. But because he was without sin, he was able to die for our sin, and death could not hold him because he was not subjected to death because he was the perfect sinless sacrifice. Praise God, the Lord rose from the grave. Can you believe there are groups that get together that call themselves churches that say, well, we don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's many of them. There, there's some in our community here. Why are you even getting together then and calling yourself a Christian? If he didn't resurrect, we're a bunch of fools here this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, 17. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. And if you believe in a Jesus who has not been resurrected, you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep have perished. If in this life we have, if, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men the most pitiable. We're pathetic here if that's the case. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also comes the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. And the key is in Christ. This isn't a universalism here. In Christ we shall be made alive. He's defeated death. This is why he declares in Revelation 1.8, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, <clears throat> I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and death. Notice verse 4. He says, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. And this is so awesome in Christ. Not only are we saved from hell, but we also get an inheritance. And I put on my notes, wow, with not one, two, but three exclamation points. Look, at he's so good. I don't deserve either of those things, but this is called mercy and that we're not getting what we deserve and it's called grace and getting what we don't deserve. Our God is so good. And listen, that inheritance that we have starts with God himself. He's perfect. Jesus was perfect. And he is our first and foremost inheritance. We have a perfect eternal relationship with the perfect loving God forever and ever and ever and ever. And that in itself is, you know, when people say, oh, what's heaven going to be like? Look at, and just knowing we're going to have a perfect relationship with God Look at everything else is going to take care of itself. A perfect desire for the Lord and God, you know what, just as he is perfectly loving us forever and ever and ever. That's our great inheritance is God. Second Corinthians 6, 16, it says, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you're the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and these shall be my people. And with that said, he gives us a charge. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what's unclean and I'll receive you. And I'll be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. He's our inheritance. And here's the good news. 
We don't have to wait till we die to get our inheritance. That inheritance is available to you right now. And if you want to walk deeper in that inheritance and relationship with God, come out from among the world and draw near to the Lord and He will draw near to you and He will father you in a glorious, glorious way. Thank you, God. And listen, this, this, our God, as it says here, is incorruptible. He's undefiled. It says in Hebrews 14, 15, He was in all points tempted as we are, and yet without sin. And again, if He sinned, we have no Savior, we have no hope. If He didn't resurrect, we have no Savior, we have no hope. Sadly, today, it's a day where there's so much false doctrine. And I already mentioned that it, it really came from higher criticism back in the 1800s when Darwin popularized the total lie of evolution and started leaking into the church and then what came forth was something called again higher criticism it was basically like the emerging church back in the late 1800s early 1900s and that's when they moved to well jesus didn't even resurrect from the dead because that's not scientific yeah neither is god speaking and the world coming into existence (laughs) but we do know life only comes from life that is scientific We know something doesn't come from nothing. That's scientific. But that came forth, and I'll tell you, in the day we're living in right now, there's people running around calling themselves pastors that say Jesus was a sinner. Can you believe that? It's becoming very, very popular. There's a man named Brandon Robertson. He calls himself a pastor. I don't consider them consider him a pastor, but he calls himself a pastor. Has quite a following on the old TikTok. He's a self-proclaimed homosexual. He says he's going to get married to another man, and God completely approves of that. Recently, he put out a TikTok video, and I couldn't believe Sean McDowell, Josh McDowell's son, interviewed him. And I think, why even give such a scoundrel a platform? But listen to what he says here. He says, do you not know there's a part of the gospel of Mark where Jesus uses a racial slur? In Mark chapter 7, there's the account of the Syrophrician woman, a woman who's Syrian and Greek, both of which uh, there were strong biases against within the Jewish community. And she comes to ask Jesus to heal her daughter who's possessed by a demon. And what is Jesus' response? He says, it's not good for me to give to the children food, meaning the children of Israel's food, to a dog. He calls her a dog. What's amazing about this account is that the woman doesn't back down. I got I, when I was when I read it to Shannon, I did all the. <laughs> she's going to do that. I'm like, no. <laughs> she speaks truth to power. She confronts Jesus and says, "Well, you can think that about me, but even dogs deserve the crumbs from the table." Her boldness and bravery to speak truth to power actually changes Jesus's mind. Jesus repents of his racism and extends healing to this woman's daughter. Let me, this ain't just some dude. This is blowing up in progressive Christianity. I love this story because it's a reminder that Jesus is a human. He had prejudices and biases. And when confronted with it, he was willing to do, uh, uh, he was willing to do his work. This woman was willing to stand up and speak truth. This man preaches another Christ. 
He doesn't even understand the scriptures. The gospels first to the Jew, then the Gentile. (laughs) Doesn't mean God doesn't love Gentiles. But the Messiah came through Israel. The Messiah is first for Israel. And he came through Israel to save all the world. Jesus was doing the will of the Father. He came first for the Jew, then the Gentile. And let me tell you, a dog is something that's unclean. Your dog's an unclean animal. (laughs) Have you noticed? They are unclean. She was unre- at this point, she, she wasn't a believer. She, she was coming wanting a touch, but she's not a follower of the Lord. Now, I think she gets saved through this. She has an encounter with God like few ever have. But the Lord was calling her what she was. You're, you're not of the house of Israel and you're unclean. And by the way, in the New Testament, Jews that stay under the law, they're called dogs. Because they're unclean under that law. You have to come to Christ and get washed. But see how men pervert this? And then people hear that. And then they jump on a board with the other thing. And oh yeah, Jesus was a sinner. If Jesus was a sinner, he's buried in the grave and everyone in this room is going to hell. But praise God, our God defeated those sayings and he is our inheritance. He is, he is incorruptible and he is undefiled. Listen, we also inherit heaven, which will not be corrupted by sin, death, the devil, or our sin nature, praise God. We read of a new heaven and a new earth. Listen to this inheritance, Revelation 21.1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. Also, there was no more sea than I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out uh, from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, listen to this, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write for these things, notice, are true and faithful. What incredibly great truths for this group that is being incredibly persecuted. And listen, these are great truths for us in this day that we are living in. We have a living hope. Stand strong in Jesus Christ. Don't waver. Don't, don't, don't waver. Don't waffle. Stand in your Lord. God's going to see you through. And notice, he says of this inheritance, it does not fade away reserved in heaven for you. When we come to the Lord with true saving faith, he gives us salvation, he gives us an inheritance, and he won't take it back. You ever have someone give you something and then they take it back? Everyone's like, yeah. They never really gave it to you in the first place. It was on loan. You just didn't know that. And to their shame, when they decided it would profit them to get it back, or maybe they could use it to get favor with someone else, they took it from you and gave it away. And that's happened to me a few times. I'm like, take, yeah, take it. Get it, get it out. I, I, don't, I don't want a gift like that. Not with our God. 
We, we, we have an inheritance that will not fade away. And that's not talking about just this life. It will not fade away into all of eternity. And it's reserved in heaven for us. Again, he's given it. He won't take it back. It's reserved. He won't change his mind. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is. He's, he's God. Side note here, we have an opportunity right now to add to our inheritance. The Lord speaks of storing up treasure in heaven. And that's why we want to be a people in this life living with the next life in mind. We want to be about kingdom business, amen. And then verse 5, he says, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This is all kept by the power of God. And if it wasn't kept by the power of God, we'd be in big, big trouble. It said before, look, at if I can lose my salvation, I will. I can't even keep, keep my, I don't even know where my keys are half the time, you know? This morning, Shannon came into prayer. She says, I found my ATM card. It was in the, in, in the pocket of the jacket. You know, you, have you noticed you get older and you lose more stuff? Not that my wife's getting older. I, I am, though. But we're kept by the power of God. We're kept by the power of God. Look, if Satan can try, 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 try to snatch us out of his hands, but Jesus says that we're in his hands and we're in the Father's hands and no one can snatch us out of his hands. Oh, is that, God, is that not good news? Notice we're kept by the power of God through faith. So what's required of me? It's faith in him. And that's where saving faith is. It's faith in him. We might have ups and downs and have seasons where maybe we, we drift off course. And God will always get our attention if, if we're saved. He'll chastise his own. He'll say, you want to drift off in this boat? I'm going to rock that boat. Get oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. We've been there before, right? That's love. That is love. We are kept by the power of God through faith. So let's anchor our faith in him. It, this isn't just faith in that, oh, it's the faith community. That just makes me cringe. Like people that believe Jesus is dead are not part of the faith community. Yeah, they have faith. Everyone has faith in something. To be an atheist, you have to have more faith than anybody. You think something came from nothing. A pure silliness. It's faith in him. Notice, he says to, this, to, he says to these group of the dispersion later on, there in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom may devour. Resist him. Notice here, steadfast in the faith. In the faith of the Lord. You want to resist the devil? You want to resist all these lies? Be steadfast in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's like taking a staff and smacking that devil right on the nose. He comes, oh, God's going to forsake you. Oh, you're going to falter in this. Oh, blah, blah. I'm standing in the faith of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to fear you. I'm going to fear my God. I ain't going to give you worship by let, allowing you to, to put fear in my heart. I'm going to trust in God. And when in your heart you think, man, I'm, oh, I'm getting tempted. God, work a work in me. Let me stand in the truth of the word. Stand in the faithfulness that you've exhibited to me since, since day one. Colossians 1.23, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, 
which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a minister. Listen, anchor your hope in God and the Lord Jesus Christ and stand kept by the power of God Almighty. And then notice finally here, it says, for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. It's ready to be revealed, guys. I think this is a dual thing. It's ready to be revealed on the last day of my life, which we don't know where our finish line lies. We know our time here is short. But it's ready to be revealed. I think this is speaking more so of the end of this age. I, I read that and was considering it, and James 5, 9 popped to my mind. Behold, the judge, listen, behold, the judge is standing at the door, ready to reveal salvation. He's coming soon. The evidences are all around us. We touched on a few of them this morning. But listen, we have a living hope because of our living God who defeated death. Be encouraged in that. Draw near to him. Get your eyes on him. Again, let him father you as a son, as a daughter. Let's stand up and we'll close here in prayer and worship. You guys did pretty good when they were wiping the tables. I only saw a few people. (laughs) Then some of you were just looking at me. Where do I want to sit? We'll get used to it. (laughs) I'm ready to open that window up though right now. I'm roasting up here. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we bless you and give you praise and glory and honor. We just thank you that you're so good. Oh, Lord, we thank you, God, that we have been begotten to a living hope. God, not of our own core, but by, by, by grace through faith in you. Let our faith in you abound, and Lord, multiply that grace and peace to us, Lord, even all the more. Lord, God, I hope and pray, Lord, there's been, God, great encouragement and, Lord, uh, strength that's been brought today through your word. Strengthen us with your Holy Spirit. And if you're here today, if you haven't called on the Lord, you've, you've heard bad news, but you've heard the good news. And I can't encourage you enough to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. To even now where you stand, ask him into your heart to be the Lord of your life. He will meet you where you are at even now. We bless you, we praise you. Let's finish well. Let's lift our voices to the Lord and just give him glory right now. the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what 
Listen, that food out there has been prayed for. Uh, little tip, this door does open and close. So the, 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 the last shall be first. You guys can go because usually the people in the back get out there first. So anyhow, go out, line up. The, the tables are out there and so forth. And uh, God bless you guys. Pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus.